That's right, everybody. We are family. At least we should act like we're family. Yes, you know what? We're all living in this great big old world together. Yes, we are. We're all in this together in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our cities, in our states, in our country. We're all in this together. There's no sense fighting and arguing with each other. We all have our opinions and ideas and thoughts and ways of doing things, but I hope we can still remain family, and we really are. I'm not talking about our physical family, but our family next door, our family of people that that we run into at the grocery store. Oh, I wish we all could love each other and and forgive each other and just just take a second to walk in someone else's shoes. Hey, but you're listening to Mornings with Ken. Mornings with Ken heard every Monday through Friday at 5.45 a.m. And, of course, there's the Sunday show, Sunday School with Ken, heard on Sunday mornings. Hey, but thanks for stopping by. Really, I appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by, guys. Um, I, I, I look forward to uh, having this one-way conversation with you guys every day, every day. So uh, thanks for stopping by. Hey, I think you, you might want to continue to uh, wear your uh, light jacket. I, I don't think it's time to break out the heavy coats yet, but uh, wear the light jackets because uh, let's, let's do today's uh, weather forecast. Today's weather forecast, of course, cloudy, a high of 40, and a low of 30. So it's going to be changed by 10 degrees, but it's probably going to, it's just going to reach as high as 40 degrees and as low as 30 degrees, so that's your weather for today. Work, keep out your uh, light jacket. I know I'm still pretending that it's uh, summer. I have yet to uh, put on my jacket, and I do a job that requires me to leave my vehicle and get out of a vehicle, and I have not been putting on my jacket. I'm denying that the cold uh, exists. So I think I need to break it out. I was pretty cold um, yesterday. I was pretty cold, um, and I didn't have my jacket on, and I should have put it on because, uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was felt the chill. Felt the chill a little bit yesterday. So, hey, and uh, hey, might as well do, we did the weather. You might as well do the sports. I know it's a day late, a dollar short. But uh, over the weekend, hey, your, uh, your Cleveland Browns, um, the Cleveland Browns won. They beat the. They beat the. Uh, did they play the Ravens, or the Texans? I don't know, but they won. They won. Um, I I I heard uh, the running back Chubbs um, went off for a long run near the end of the game, and then stepped out of bounds like at the two yard line. But I think it was only ten to seven. I think the score was only ten to seven. The Browns were winning, and I. I'm thinking he did that because he didn't want to run up the score, but it's only ten to seven or ten to three, whatever it was. But you, I mean, you might as well just go ahead and run it in. It's not like you're running the score up to forty-two to nothing. It's just one more touchdown. So I could see if it was like, you know, thirty-five to nothing, and if you score, you know, again, you're going to be in the forties. So you don't want to run up the score, but. I mean, if it's just like ten to seven or ten to three, 
You might as well just run it on in, get yourself another touchdown for the record books. But, um, yeah, so your Browns won, but I'm not as passionate about sports as I once was. Um, it, had this been different years, I would have been kind of excited because the Browns are have a winning record and, yeah, but, yeah, you know, certain things have turned me off on sports. And, uh, you know, like basketball, I mean, nobody cares. Basketball could just fall off the face of the earth for all I care. Hey, I don't want to be negative. Don't want to be negative. But uh, uh, anyway, so that's your weather's, weather and sports with Ken. So got that out of the way. But uh, really, thanks for stopping by. I'm going to go get me a cup of coffee. Give me a nice hot cup of coffee. And uh, we'll be right back and we'll get the show started. So hang tight, guys. Black pastor and God's love changed the heart of a KKK leader. This is from uh, GodUpdates.com. This KKK leader found himself facing a black pastor who promised to love him and pray for him no matter what. It changed his life. Johnny Lee Clarer grew up in a small town of Oklahoma Sadly, he was taught to hate as a young boy. His entire family was racist and abusive. For Johnny, hated, hatred of others was not only a normal part of his life, it was celebrated. When Johnny was just 11 years old, his father committed suicide in front of him, facing bankruptcy brought on by an unloving, cheating wife his father felt that taking his own life was the only option. After the funeral, Johnny's mother let her boyfriend move in with them. He began to abuse Johnny. After the police were involved, his mother threw Johnny out of the house, choosing her boyfriend over him. Without hesitation, Johnny joined the KKK. He was only 14 years old. For the next four years, Johnny was indoctrinated with KKK beliefs. And when he was 18, he returned to Oklahoma to begin his own chapter as the Golden Dragon. I'm sorry, the Grand Dragon. It was during this time he met Reverend Wade Watts. A local radio station asked Johnny to come and debate a black man on the air. Clary saw this as his chance to prove his merit to the clan and agreed, but what he experienced was unexpected. 
Oh, very interesting. Very interesting. Okay, let's move on. Had to flip the page there, folks. Sorry. Johnny Lee Claire. Oops, I'm sorry. It's a kind of a re recap. Re uh let's move on. Okay, okay, let's go on. Let's find my spot here. Sorry about that. At that, at that time, the, that part of L.A. was riddled with gangs. Johnny was repeatedly beaten by his sister's living boyfriend, and he quickly learned that his sister was not going to look after him. He continued to get up, get caught up in the wrong crowds. Johnny quickly found himself feeling alone and helpless. He saw the leader of the KKK, David Duke, on television. His viewpoints reminded Johnny of his own father. He decided to write Duke a letter describing his life. Eventually, there is a knock on Johnny's door, and a recruiter for David Duke took him under his wing. Without hesitation, Johnny joined the KKK. Oh, man, this story kind of repeats itself. I wonder if it was an error from the website, but it kind of jumps around saying the same thing. So let's move on here. It was during this time that he met Reverend Wade Watts. And he was invited to go on a radio show to debate the Reverend Wade Watts. While he didn't know how to proceed this love for someone who hates him, Reverend Watts had planted a seed in Johnny that would come to life years later. Unfortunately, that was, wasn't before Johnny did everything in his power to ruin Watts, including set of setting fire to his church. Even so, Reverend Watts never wavered in his promise to pray for Johnny. So... Kind of makes sense of this article because I think there's a mistaken article where it jumps and repeats the same paragraph. But basically what happened, uh, little Johnny, you know, grew up, became a part of the KKK, was invited to debate a black minister on the radio show. And the black minister promised to love Johnny no matter what he did and no matter how much hate he showed to him. Johnny then sets fire to his church. So, and the pastor still says that he will love Johnny. So, here we go. In 1989, Johnny reached his clan goal and became the imperial wizard of the white knights of the KKK. But it wasn't long before Johnny and his chapter found themselves under investigation by the FBI. He thought if he resigned from his position, they wouldn't arrest him. That move made the KKK distrust him, and the only family he ever knew abandoned him. With no hope, Donnie found himself facing the same demons that his father before him had faced. He planned to commit suicide, but God had different plans and drew his attention to a Bible in his room. Johnny found himself promising God he would attend church if God would just get him a job. 
When the call came from a local car dealership, Johnny knew he would be in church on Sunday. There he found a multi-racial community worshiping together, full of love. He ran to the altar and gave his life to Christ. With a newfound relationship with Christ and a message to share, Johnny turned to the only man who had ever been straight with him, Reverend Wade Watts. Here's a little quote from uh, J- uh, uh, Mr. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Johnny uh, Whaley. Reverend Wade and I became best friends. He took me on the road with him and began to mentor me. Oh, how cool. Since that time, Johnny learned to love others. Not only that, but he became a voice for a message of hope and reconciliation. Johnny was ordained by Bishop George Daltus McKinney and became the first Caucasian elder in the Church of God in Christ, a predominantly African-American denomination. He also became a consultant for the FBI on white supremacy. Wow, what an amazing story. Johnny Lee Carley devoted the later parts of his life to sharing the gospel and love of Christ for all races. Reverend Wade Watts continued to be a support to Johnny Lee and the two considered themselves best friends. After decades of ministering together, Reverend Wade Watts went passed away in 1998. His obit tells the story of a man dedicated to the civil rights movement, but more than that, dedicated to bringing others to Christ through love and reconciliation. More recently, Johnny Lee Carley passed away from a heart attack. He was giving his testimony of how God's love can touch even the hardest man's heart. Just days prior to his passing, Johnny saw that God had a plan for his life and that he had a story to share in order to reach others. His obit told a very his obit very little of the man's everyone's new boy, let me say it again. His obit told very little of the man everyone knew to be loving, kind, and accepting. The guest book, however, tells the story of someone who is very much missed and who lived an amazing testimony to God. Wow, isn't that amazing? An amazing story how God can take two different people from two total opposite end. A racist white guy who's a KKK leader and a, and a black pastor. And the white guy tri- set his church on fire. And the black guy said, I'm going to love you no matter what you do. And eventually the white former KKK leader gets saved and the black pastor becomes his mentor and mentors him. And the former KKK leader becomes the first Caucasian elder in a traditionally all-black denomination. What an amazing story. Why can't we hear more stories like that? What an amazing story. I'm sorry it was kind of really strange read. I was trying to read it. 
the article literally, I think it was just an error on whoever posted the website, um, inserted paragraphs several times in, in the wrong places. But I'm glad I got through that and read that. That's that's so inspiring. And, uh, of course, you guys can't see this because this is radio, but it shows uh, the two pastors together. Um, looks like this is when he got ordained as an elder right next to his mentor um, that mentored him. That's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Such a good, positive story. I like to hear those things because we hear too much negativity um, on the news. And, uh, man, I'm glad I read that story this morning. That was really encouraging to me, at least. So, hey, let's take a break. We'll come right back. Yes, I like to hear good stories. It's so refreshing to hear positive stories when people are kind to one another, even in when one person's not being kind to the other, but through kindness they later they later change the heart of that person. It's it's so refreshing. You know, I was watching um a show Hoarders on Netflix. I think it's a little bit different than this show because I'm familiar with another show about hoarding. But I think this one might be a different, but although this show is called Hoarders and it's on Netflix, but so I was watching this show and uh, one of the first episodes was... Um, I'm not sure what what state it was in. I think Washington, Washington, uh, state of Washington. And it was in a nice neighborhood, kind of like your middle class, nice, probably homes, probably two fifty, three hundred thousand dollar homes. And there was this uh, elderly gent- gentleman and his wife. And, yeah, he was, he probably had to be in his 80s because his son, I think, was in his 60s. And his, so, so the, the elderly father and his wife were hoarders, really bad, really bad. And they, the house they lived in was a really nice home, probably at one time before they hoarded in it. And uh, so you couldn't, it's a typical thing. If you've watched any shows about hoarders, it's this typical thing. 
as soon as you open up the door to go in, you can't really move because the trash and food and boxes and clutter and junk and is all piled to the ceiling, literally, throughout the whole house. Some parts there wasn't even a path to walk through. And when, so as you entered the house, they usually, well, they usually bring a psychiatrist and another expert who is trained in hoard, hoarding, is trained to get rid of things and, and know and organize the whole, the whole plan of getting rid of stuff. So you have a planner and you have a psychiatrist. Well, the psychiatrist goes into one of the rooms. I think it was the living room. And his head is hitting the ceiling because of all the garbage that's in the house. He's literally standing on garbage as if it was a floor. And his head, he has to kind of cock his neck head forward because his head is hitting hitting the ceiling yet he's standing straight up. So that's literally how the whole house was. It was awful. I think some rooms might have been a little bit better, but it was just horrid, horrid conditions. And then it just, it kind of just spilled out to their garage also, and even outside in the backyard. And like I say, this is, this is right in the middle of a nice, cul-de-sac area, very nice houses and families all around, you know, the kind where, you know, they, they cut the grass twice a week and take a ruler out and measure it and see if the grass is so high, um, the kind of neighborhoods I can't stand, but, um, you know, all American apple pie type of a community. But there were, so the, the couple that lived in the, the house that needed cleaned out was going to get fined by the city because they just broke so many laws by living in that kind of condition to the, to the point where it was, you know, blocked all the windows in the house. It, it, the garbage spilled outside of the house in the backyard it was just horrid, horrid conditions. So the the city had been sending the sheriff out, or or police officer, and citing them for different things, and they did it so many times over years that they finally gave them a, a final warning and saying, if you don't take care of these conditions that you're living in, we're basically going to take take the house. We're going to put a lien on your house, and we're going to charge. We're going to come and clean it, pay a company to clean it, and then we're going to put a, a a lien on your house. And if you don't pay it, we'll just take the house then. So in this, so the old elderly gentleman, he was feisty. And he kind of was like a conspiracy theory person because he kept thinking that the city was spying on him with drones. Anyway, he was a really feisty old man, and so was his wife. And... Uh, At any rate, they brought the family members in to try to convince the mom and dad to get rid of things. And But what was neat about it was they didn't like any of their neighbors. 
They hated their neighbors. Hated their neighbors for no reason. They were actually, the couple was actually throwing stuff in the other neighbor's yard to keep it, to hoard, started hoarding on their property. And the neighbors really wasn't moving it. They were, the neighbors were being so patient. But they hated their neighbors. They did not like any of the neighbors at all. But when the psychiatrist and the, the professional planner came and, uh, and, and was able to move stuff around and help them get rid of stuff, all the neighbors around the neighborhood came over and helped. I think they said they, they hauled away 41 truck trailers, 41 trailers of garbage. 41 truck trailers of garbage. 41 containers of garbage. Tractor trailers, trailers. 41. And they didn't really get finished. I think they only had a few days to get to being compliant with the city. But it was neat to see these neighbors who were mistreated, who weren't treated nice by these elderly, this elderly couple, were called names and trash was thrown in their yards. They all came and helped this elderly couple get things straightened up and make the house livable. They cleaned up the house. They gave them at the end, they showed the, the, the living area where they could actually sit down. No more trash. You could actually see the floor. You weren't, your head wasn't hitting the ceiling because you're walking on trash. So, but all the neighbors came over and chipped in. And then basically, you know, they, they realized that how wrong they were. Now, it took a whole long process to get to the, that point. I think the show's like an hour long without commercials and it took a lot to get to that point but just to shorten up the story they basically realized you know hey you know we were kind of we were really mean to our neighbors and the cop the cop would come out to their home every so often to warn them about getting more citations and the elderly man was so angry he would cuss at the cop call him names wouldn't let him step on his property and then at the end of the episode, the elderly gentleman apologized to the police officer and said, I've never called you Sergeant. I forget the last name, whatever his last name was. I never called you Sergeant Smith, and I should have respected you. And I want to say I'm sorry um, that I made you and I called you names. And and uh, I'm sorry, and I want to call you Sergeant Smith or whatever it was, and uh, the cop was really thankful, and, and they forgave each other, and uh, it was just nice. So it's nice when communities come together, come together and uh, forgive one another and help each other out, you know. So I, I just really enjoy positive stories. I wasn't expecting a positive story when uh, I started watching the first episode of Hoarders. 
but it was nice to see um, their local neighborhood come together and help that couple out. And then they realized there was people that cared about them. So it was just a nice positive story. And I, I like that. I really do. So, hey, let's take another quick break and I'll, I'll be right back. I sure would like to get to know my neighbors more. You know, we recently moved to a a new neighborhood. So we're the new family on the block. But, you know, and me being an introvert, I mean, I could be, I could be extrovert. I could pretend and put on a really good show when I have to. I can go out and be an extrovert, but I really like being an introvert, but I got to do what I got to do. But I've been thinking, you know, what's tough for us too, is we bought a home from a guy that I had no idea was so beloved on this, in these streets around this community. He he was well... I don't even know if people like really knew knew him, but he was a fixture in the community because he used to sit outside and feed the squirrels. People would drive by. He was always sitting out by his garage. You know, he would wave at people. Um, people would honk their horns at him and wave, and and the neighbors all liked him. He was a retired guy, and the neighbors all liked him. And like when we start when we moved here. And we'd, we would be outside cleaning the yard or something. Cars would stop by. I kid you not. Cars would stop by and ask, hey, where's so-and-so who lives here? And I would try to be careful for what I would say because I don't want to give his personal business away. I would just say, well, he did move. Him and his wife did move. Well, how, and, and the people would ask, well, how are their health? How's their health? Do they still got the dog? And I would have to say, well, I really don't know much about, you know, their personal lives, but um, we did buy the house from them, and they did move. But where'd they move to? It's like I, I don't know. But car, you know, quite a few cars have stopped by if I'm outside, and have asked questions about where's so and so at. Are 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 you family or did are they no longer living here? And I said, like, yeah, I'm sorry, they're no longer living here. Um, we're the new family and I would introduce myself but some of them didn't seem to care they're like well no you're not no I'm sure they were fine but it was just weird it's weird to to follow somebody in the neighborhood to move in and be the new person and I'm not that I'm not that guy I'm not the guy that used to live here that everybody loved Um, maybe I need to go out sit, sit outside and feed the squirrels um, but, um, so I was thinking, 
and we've got to know a little bit about our neighbors. Um, there's, I don't want to call people's name in case people know where I live and I don't want to talk about people, but I know the lady two houses down. I know her name. Um, I know she has two dogs. I don't know the name. I, I, I was told the names of the dogs before. I can't forget the name of the dogs. And, but right next door to us is a older couple and they were like the first ones to introduce themselves to us. Seems like a nice, nice couple. Um, Dixie's met people down at the other side of the street, which is amazing that she already knows their names. But uh, I was thinking, how do I get to know my neighbor? It's weird just to go knock on the door. And I want to get to know more than just the person across the street or directly next door. I want to know, it'd be nice to know a little bit of people from the other houses. So I was thinking maybe I should do like a, 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 this next summer, do like a cookout and just put out some signs and say, you know, all, all, all neighborhood, welcome, welcome, please, uh, you know, please come, uh, help yourself, free food or whatever, and, and just have like a small party. But then what if a lot of people come? I, I I don't know. So I, I don't know the best way to really um, meet the neighbors. And you can't every, know everybody um, deeply. You just know um, people, you know, a little a little bit about them. But uh, I, I read this article where it talked about you could always do the old baking trick, you know, bake some pies. and But they're supposed to do that to the new people. I thought the the people that already live here are supposed to bring us goodies and desserts, but um, but in this article it says, "Well, no, just just do it the other way. You bake something and take it to a neighbor." But then I don't know what they what they like, or if they have diabetes, or that they can't they they don't eat sweets. And then people are so busy in their lives. Do people even take the time out to really care? And I don't know what time they have dinner. Am I interrupting dinner? They said. Another one was post a flyer about selling something. Sell an old couch and you post a flyer. Maybe your neighbors will come over and look at it and you'll introduce yourself. I'm not really caring for that one. One is good. Try community service. So if there's a local, like, I don't know, a garden group or some community service group in your neighborhood, join it and get to know people. I guess. I don't know. Um, start a book club? Um, yeah, I don't know because people have different tastes. And I don't know. Do people still have book clubs? I don't know. That's kind of awkward. I don't, depend on, I don't know because people like different kind of things. Get a dog? Now that is true. We already have a dog, um, but people have stopped us if they're out walking their dog and we're out walking our dog. Then we stop and say hi to each other so the dogs can sniff each other, and we introduce ourselves. We introduce our dogs, so that kind of works. And one point was just just go outside, just be outside, 
and uh, sit outside and wave at people. <laughs> Yell out your name. Hey, neighbor, get over. Hey, I'm so-and-so. Throw yourself a housewarming party. Well, that's kind of awkward. I don't, I don't want to do something for myself. But uh, anyway, I, I would like to get to know my neighbors a little better. I, I want to know, you know, like I don't know people's names. Um, wait, I know, I know the couple to the right of us, but um, and I know the person next to them, but that's all I know. And then don't tell nobody, but I give my neighbors nicknames so I can remember their names. But some of them I could never say out loud because um, I just have to keep it a secret. But <laughs> anyway, I would love to to know my neighbors. And uh, hopefully next summer when we're not all trapped in, we can get out and uh, introduce ourselves more so. And that's what we need to do. We need to be a community, a neighborhood, and get to know each other and see if anybody needs help and all that good stuff. So, hey, well, thanks for stopping in and checking in with me. I don't take you guys for granted. And I hope, the, I hope these shows are helpful or fun or interesting. I don't really want to bore you, but I hope uh, you enjoy stopping by. So, hey, I'll let you go. We get our days going and... uh We'll do this again tomorrow. All right. Bye-bye, guys. Love you guys. Bye-bye.